by the end of that time, if you've done this right, they're going to be asking you, they're going to be pitching you why you should be on their project. They're going to pitch their backyard expertise and begging you for the job, not the other way around. Most freelancers are sitting here begging for the tasks. And what they're really doing is they're saying, hey, hire me to do tasks. If, if you're being hired to do tasks, you're either not telling the right stories or they're not believing your stories. But if you do tell the right stories, what ends up happening is you shift who's pitching who. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast, the show where we help you start and grow your very own WordPress consulting business. My feature guest this week is Chris Lemmer. He is currently Vice President of Innovation and Products over at Liquid Web. They're a $100 million a year hosting company and they've launched a managed WordPress and managed WooCommerce hosting offering. And he is also a masterful storyteller. In fact, he came out to Santa Monica recently for one of our live events and did a presentation on storytelling and he had the entire room eating out of the palm of his hand. He really is the master at using stories to help position you uh, as the authority and the trusted guide. Uh, he uses storytelling to overcome pricing objections. Uh, he's just a, a, a true master at this art of storytelling. So I said, hey, Chris, let's get back on the podcast. And this is the second time he's been on the podcast. I said, let's come on the podcast and share your insights around storytelling. So this is a fabulous episode. I hope you've got your pen and paper ready to make a bunch of notes. Without further ado, let's go and meet my friend, Chris Lemmer. This is the WP Elevation Podcast. Helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and I'm very pleased to have with me, I believe for the second time on the WP Elevation podcast, my good friend all the way from Houston, Chris Lemmer. Hey Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for coming on again. Uh, you are so you are based in what are you doing in Houston, Texas? You don't live in Houston, do you? I don't live in Houston. I'm in San Diego, but I am visiting a friend, oh. so I'm out here. Oh, there we go. And it is six PM and it is cigar time for Chris Lemmer. <laughs> six PM it's time for a good cigar. There we go. Perfect. Uh, awesome. Uh, hey, now, for those that have been living under a rock for the last, I don't know how long, uh, who is Chris Lemmer? What do you do and why are you here? Uh, well, I am the VP of products over at a company called Liquid Web, which is a hosting company where I have focused on building out the managed WordPress and the managed WooCommerce uh, platforms. Uh, other than that, I blog over at chrislemmer.com and leaders.blog, where I write about WordPress stuff and leadership stuff. And uh, maybe the thing I'm most known for outside of WordPress and WooCommerce stuff is storytelling. So I think today we're going to talk a little about that. Yeah, 100%. 
I was walking to the office this morning listening to the Masters of Scale podcast with Reid Hoffman, which is like my favourite podcast. I love it to bits. And he's interviewing, well, not interviewing, but the story is about Scott Harrison, I think his last name is, the guy that started Charity Water. And it's all about storytelling. Yeah. It's all about how, you know, Scott was this like super wealthy, kind of spoilt brat in New York City. He was a nightclub promoter. He was kind of off the rails. And... Um, had an epiphany, started this, uh, you know, short stories, had an epiphany, started this charity to bring clean drinking water to uh, the, the world's population, kind of pinged all his friends home in New York and went, hey, let's kind of, you know, donate to my charity. And they're like, are you kidding, dude? I don't donate to charities because, like, the CEO just gets rich and all the, like, the money, like, none of the money actually goes to the charity. Right. So one of the first things he did was he said, okay, radical transparency, 100% of your donations will go to actually drilling the wells and bringing clean water because we will get philanthropic donations to pay for all the admin costs. And he started telling stories around that, which was his instant differentiator, which I just thought was genius. So yes, we are going to talk about storytelling. And the reason I was so keen to get you back on the podcast is because we were out in Santa Monica a couple of weeks ago and you very kindly came along to speak at our event out there and you told this amazing story about storytelling. It was very meta. Uh, you are the master storyteller, so I knew it would be uh, engaging, but you also walked us through a storytelling framework and you, 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 you taught us this framework by telling stories, which was, and multiple stories within, which I thought was just genius. Um, before we get into this though, there, you know, storytelling has kind of risen up again as a very popular topic. Donald Miller wrote Story Brand, which is a fabulous book. It feels like storytelling is becoming... Uh, front and center again. Why do you think stories are so important for us as entrepreneurs and business owners? Well, because fundamentally stories are important to us as humans. So it starts, right? It, it, people are like, oh, but I'm not a storyteller. I'm like, well, go back and talk to your mom and dad and ask them when you first lied to them. Right? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, I get it, right. Yeah, you were telling stories, right? I don't know if it was at three or at four. Those simple stories were like, he did it or it wasn't me right but we it's just a core of who we are um when you interact with people when when you go to a, a party or hanging out at a bar or pub and you're hanging out with friends someone starts telling a story even if it's just a memory of the group that's there we remember things in story if you ever want to share a fact right embed it in the middle of a story people remember the fact because of the story you take the story away and people don't remember the fact at all, right? Um, yeah. And even when they don't remember it and they try and tell it back to you, right, it's still in a story. So the, the story dynamic is a core part of who we are. Um, if stories didn't work, television would die, movies would die, musicals would die, everything would die, right? Like our chief mode of entertainment is driven by story, right? Yeah. And uh, so you just, you just realize at some point, this is a skill well worth knowing. I think also one of the things I, I, I heard on the podcast this morning with uh, Reid Hoffman on Masters of Scale, which really kind of hit me in the solar plexus as to why, why I love stories so much is because stories allow you to explore your humanity without the risk. So this, this guy referenced stories. He's like, stories are like a flight simulator. You can get into a flight simulator and become a fighter pilot, but there's no risk because if you crash the plane, it's just a simulation and stories are just a simulation of, of life. So it removes the risk, but it still gives us the rush and the dopamine hit and the, the emotional highs and lows, but it's a safe place. I'd never heard stories talked about like that and it makes perfect sense. 
Absolutely. So how, how do we as introverts, people who are good with building websites, but we don't really like dealing with clients very much because they frighten us and we're not confident in, you know, asking for a decent amount of money for a website because we just haven't got that confidence and we, we're not assertive and we don't know how to do that. How can we start using stories to better position ourselves and and get the, um, the, the validation and the recognition that we deserve? Well, one of the most important things I think you'd agree and what you teach all throughout Dopey Elevation is that it's always about getting the right client, right? That, that yeah. you want to be connected to the right client and not the wrong client. Yeah. One of the easiest ways to think about that is when you watch every single night, the late night hosts bring guests onto their shows, right? And mm-hmm. when they bring them on, you realize, okay, it's the job of the interviewer or the host to ask the right questions so that the guest looks like the star. But the star also has to do the work to make so the host doesn't look like a moron, right? And so totally. there's this there's this like if if every host, every late night host had to read every book of every author that came on and saw every movie of every author you know, actor that came on, there'd be yeah. no time for their life, right? So they That's sometimes right. yeah. they haven't read the book, they just got a cheat sheet on it. Sometimes they haven't seen the movie, they just got notes. But it's the job of both parties, right? To make each other look good. And you know, you know when you have a good client, the client wants you to win as much as they want to win, right? The wrong client only wants to win often at your own cost, right? At your expense. Mm. And so one of the best ways to start figuring out who the right client is, is to tell stories. Long before you get close the deal, long before you even put out a quote, right? Or a proposal. If in the storytelling exchange up front, there's that good connection if you can use stories to segment your audience, you can skip past the ones that only want a win-lose dynamic, and you can embrace the ones that are looking for win-win. But yeah. to do that, as you can imagine, you have to tell the right stories, right? It's not yeah. just—it's not random. You're not—you're not just like, hey, okay, I can, you know, I can, I can do this and I can do that. Uh, that is the simplest version of the story. Right? I can do X. Why don't you pay me to do X? Um, yeah. But that's—that's that's not going to be a story that that helps you segment your audience, right? And so there's several kinds of stories and we briefly touched upon it when we were together last. Um, one of the ones I talk about is a prediction story, right? And a prediction story is one of the earliest stories that you can tell to a prospect long before they're a client. And even if they walk away, if you've done a predictive story right, they'll come back, right? Because they've anchored to that story, right? So yeah. I, I interviewed for a job once, right? Um, and actually just to be clear, I didn't interview for the job. I met the guy, uh, who was looking to hire people, but I didn't know he was looking to hire people. You know, friend of a friend said, Hey, could you help this guy out? So we went and had lunch and it became very clear that, uh, he was, you know, interviewing cause he wanted to hire someone. Right. And, uh, I said, well, you're probably, you know, as, as I listened to what his challenges were in his business, I said, you're probably dealing with this and you might, you, you likely are seeing this. And here's one of the things you see a lot. And it was a prediction story, right? It was a, I've had other clients, they've gone through this. So you're describing a pain or a challenge and you're making a prediction that the person on the other side of the table is feeling that. Now, the Mm. very nature of telling that prediction story is that the right person, right, says, you're reading my mail. Like you're in my, like, what do you (laughs) have a camera on me? Like, oh my God, we're totally there, right? And then they can use you as a proxy, right? They can literally just go, 
okay, you know this. I don't, I don't need to know this anymore because I can put this problem on you and I can trust you because you, you clearly know what's going on. But the best scenario in this particular case happened where I said, you're probably experiencing these things. And he said, no, 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 no. We, we're, like, we're, we're great, right? Um, and you go, oh, well, congratulations, right? And we ended lunch and he left. That was it. And then three months later, right, when those problems all hit, he's in a board meeting with the board and the board's like, hey, didn't I pass on this guy's name? Like, why, why didn't you call him? And he goes, yeah, actually, that guy predicted that we, we'd be here. <laughs> and now they come back and it's a very different conversation. And Definitely. from a negotiating position, you're in a very different place because mm. power and experience are asymmetrical, right? So now he's yeah. he's in a spot where he's going, I don't know how to solve this. And you clearly do because you've done it before. So prediction stories, they allow you to define that expertise without walking around saying, I can do this and I can do this. I, it's not about an I statement. It's a you statement. Yeah. You probably yeah, are yeah. dealing with this. That's the prediction. And you may even tell stories of other companies that have had those problems. Again, you're talking about someone over there. You're talking about you. You're not talking about me. But the very nature of you knowing those stories puts you in a very different position. Either the person says right away, oh, my God, you're, you're a perfect proxy. Let me just pass you all the work and I'll get out of the way. Or they say, no, I'm good. And then they circle back. Many circle back later. Yeah. So I, I know I can do this because I know uh, how good you are at this. I'm just going to totally throw you in the hot water here, right? Um, our friend Adam uh, Prizer launched a product called Cart Flows, which you and I know and love. It's, I mean, for the uninitiated, it's essentially replicating something like click funnels inside of WooCommerce, right? So it allows you to do one-click upsells, downsells, beautiful um, checkout uh, forms. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic plugin. If you and I were sitting around in a boardroom and, and, and with Adam and we said, and he said, okay, how do we blow this up? How do we scale this thing up through storytelling? I'm just totally throwing you on the spot here. And I know I can do that to you. Uh, what would be the story? What would be a prediction story that, and the reason I'm asking this is because I see so many of our audience writing blog posts about how to use this plugin, how to use plugin X to do Y, right? And you know, okay, sure, fine. If that's how you start off blogging, then that's congratulations for being a blogger. But you just end up being part of the white noise, right? There's nothing differentiating there. So how would you advise someone like Adam Prisa with Card Flows? How do you advise, you know, what is a prediction story that we could tell that would instantly be a more engaging thing than, hey, this is like ClickFunnels inside WooCommerce? Right. So you'd say, hey, are, are you using ClickFunnels, right? You love ClickFunnels. You get all the stuff you can do. And, and if you're like my friend Carrie, Carrie was running two sites the main site where he was selling online courses. And then separately, he had hired a company that was going to do the landing pages for him. And so the landing page company knew ClickFunnels. So they did everything in ClickFunnels. And then the last button, right, was a button back to his store, right, on his site. So you're running two sites, ClickFunnels, because it's hosted and you can have all these cool features, and his site that was his main site and where he had the store. And if you're using ClickFunnels, like my friend Kerry, what you may not have done yet is analyze the traffic flow from how many people click a button on a ClickFunnels page and how many people land at the product page over on your store. Now, you just presume, right? I'm guessing that you presume that anyone who clicks a button in one goes to the site in the other because that's how it's supposed to work. Would it surprise you if I told you that with clients like Carrie and other folks, 
that they've seen a 60% drop from clicking the button on one site to going to the other. That just moving from one site to another, because in the technological world, you click something, it has to make a remote call, you have to connect, it's got to go over, and if it takes too long, they just close the tab. And you've been sitting here going, I got all this traffic over here, I have way less traffic over here, but it looks like they're clicking the button. If you're living in that space, the first thing I'd tell you is, stop doing it in two different, in two different places. Put your ClickFunnel-like features over on your store on your own site, and you'll remove all of that, which gives you 60% more traffic. Now, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be better if you had all the traffic that wanted to buy your product actually being able to buy your product? Mm. And if they go, well, I I'm, not, I'm not having that problem. You go, great. Congratulations. Way to go. If they go, I don't know if I'm having that problem. Let me go check. And they start doing that, and they come back, and they go, oh, my God. You don't even know how much money we've lost in the last year. And I go, well, I kind of do, right? And they go, okay, so yeah. you you can do this? You can you can do that? And you go, of course, yeah. I, I just use yeah. card flows. And they go, yeah. oh, my God, okay, sign me up. Yeah. So so Adam was saying that you know the people that get it, get it. The people that already use ClickFunnels and see the frustrations, they get it. But the people who don't know what a funnel is – there's kind of an education piece there that needs to right. go on. So what are, what are some of the other stories? We've talked about a prediction story. What are some of the other story frameworks that we can use? Yeah, now the, the trick to the, to the prediction story, right, is that if you do it right, almost immediately the customer stops telling you how to do something, right? Mm. If you do a prediction story because you're saying, been there, done that, you can just trust me for this. They stop telling you, put the button here, put the click here, put the, and we both know, right, that's the kind of customer we want, right? The one who's yeah. not going to try and be the professional we are in the space we're in, right? The second kind of story that I tell, right, after a prediction story is often a warning story, right? A warning story says, hey, heads up, this is not going to be fast, or this is not going to be easy, or this is going to cost you a lot of money. I sat in a meeting today where a store owner says, my store's horrible, it doesn't work, we spent all this money, it doesn't, no conversions, we're getting a ton of traffic, no one buys, we have the best, sale, the best sale or promotion going on, Google doesn't even pay attention to us. And so we start talking through, right, like, hey, you know, let me be honest with you, this is going to take some work. Google doesn't know you exist, there's going to have to be some time to that, you're going to have to, and we start walking through warnings. This is not for the faint of heart. This is hard. By the way, I'm expensive, right? And when you tell a warning story, what people realize is you've been down this road before. You yeah, know yeah. you're being honest. You're being realistic. Whereas if they interview 10 people and I'm the only one who's sitting here giving them a warning story and everybody else is going, like in the case of the store owner today, he had three people who came up and told them, just go to Shopify, go to Shopify. And I said, that's interesting because you sell tobacco and tobacco is not something that you use the Shopify payment gateway. You Don't you have your own payment gateway? He goes, we do. I go, well, Shopify is going to give you additional charges, right? He's like, what are you talking about? I talked to five guys and none of them said this. And I go, well, here's the warning, right? If you choose a platform with integrated payment structure, they make more money on payments than they do on your monthly fee. And yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get hosed because you're going to have to pay your payment gateway and you're going to have to pay the fee to the platform. Oh, why, why didn't they tell us this? Why did no one tell us this? Right? So again, you start segmenting. There's a group of people who are gonna say, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go my own way. Great. But you have the group that says, 
oh my God, I've talked to five people. You're the only one. And you clearly know this space. So now they say, you're my guide, right? I want you to navigate me through the complexities. And again, they pull back from telling you how to do the work because they're trusting your expertise because you've done this before, right? So clients will trust you to know that you're not doing this for the first time, right? And since you're an expert in your space and you're not doing it for the first time, it really helps to know, okay, is this, is this someone who gets that or someone who doesn't, right? And a warning story delivers that value. Yeah, so you become the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the, of the story, so to speak. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got a prediction story. We've got a warning story. Uh, there's another couple you touched on out in Santa Monica. What's, what's, yeah. what's one of the others that we can and, – and, and at what point in the relationship do we start – we, are there optimum points in the relationship where we can use these stories? Uh, I, I use almost all these up front really early on, right? Right. Um, uh, an empathy story is a story where you've both experienced some past pain, right? And, mm-hmm. and you, can, you can talk through that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they start to trust you because they know you're going to protect them from their mistakes. That's where you shift from vendor to partner, right? And an empathy story could happen after the quote after the proposal is delivered, right? So you can do it before, but you also can do it after when you send that bill and it's a little higher than they were imagining, right? And we'll get to the last one where you really help, it really helps you on pricing. But um, an empathy story, someone will come back and look at a quote and go, you know, could I cut this out or could I, could we not do this? And you can say, look, either you've, you've had people here before, right? You've had vendors here before who take your money and run and they don't deliver. I've been in that. And you can, you can walk through the past pain that you've lived with and they, they start nodding their head. Oh yeah, I've been there. Right. Or you say, look, I understand that you want to cut this out, but you're cutting out the key part of what will deliver your results. Right. In fact, let me, you know, let me walk through and you can go back to the warning stories or, or prediction stories. So empathy stories allow you to connect, you know, and people start realizing, Hey, you're not just in this for the money, which almost mm. every single entrepreneur I know, almost every freelancer I know, none of them are like, I do this just for the money, right? Yeah. There are people that are motivated by like, hey, I, I'm in, you're in a nonprofit, I love nonprofits, or um, you, you're a tobacco store and I love cigars, or whatever it is. There's a there's a passion that drives them, but if you don't know the person on the other side of the table, it's easy for them to think you're doing it just for the money. You're a mercenary, yeah. right? And an empathy story helps you start connecting on a different level, right? Yes, you've been hurt before. You've been. I have a buddy of mine who uses empathy stories when he explains that all of the code he writes is on a GitHub repository that they have access to right away from the beginning, hmm. right? Like we will, and, and the language he uses is we will never hold your code hostage. And you can see customers light up because they're like, oh my God, I had two developers that did that to me. Right. And you go, mm. no, I've been, I hate, I hate that when it happens to us. Right. Mm. And I would hate that for you. So you have access to code all the time. It's ne- even if you're late paying your bill, like it is like this code is available upfront out there. Right. Um, and if it does amazing wonders, right. For the person on the other side to start feeling like, you know what, you're not just a vendor, you're a partner. I trust you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're actually getting them to trust you without saying, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Right. If you have to say, trust me, it's game over. Right. That's right. So, you're doing it. You're doing yeah. it through story. Um, you alluded to it. What's the story that we can tell to overcome the pricing objections? Yeah. So it is what I call inspiration stories, which doesn't sound anything like pricing, but inspiration stories allow you to anchor people. 
right? So inspirations. So I, I, I bought a house uh, five years ago, and it was all just dirt in the backyard, right? Just dirt. And I took my wife out in the backyard, and I painted a picture of what I wanted, right? We're going to cut mm. into the hill, and we're going to put a pool there. But because we cut in the hill, they're going to have to do a lot less work to build kind of a staircase up. There's a waterfall that will come down. I want the cave behind the waterfall with a bench so we can sit there. On the southern side, I want a really big jacuzzi. Over here, we'll have the fire pit. We'll put a big roof over here so we can put couches out and we can smoke cigars. And I, I paint the whole picture. She's like, great. I love it. Go back in the house, and a couple of days later, I say, hey, I saw driving down the street that someone put some fake turf in the front yard. Get that phone number and call them and ask if we can, you know, ask if we can get them to come put grass, fake grass in our front yard. I don't want any grass in the back, and my son's allergic to grass, but if we could put fake turf in the front, that'd be great. So she calls the company. They send a guy out. Right now, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm on video calls all day long, so I'm not in the meeting. It's just my wife and this guy. The guy comes in apparently leaves, right? I, I'm busy for two hours. And then I walk into the kitchen and I said, Hey, did you get a quote from the guy? And she goes, he's still here and points to the guy sitting in my living room. The dude has sat in my living room for two hours. I'm like, what's, what's he doing here? Right. And she said, Oh, he said the project in the front, the grass was too small for them. They don't, they don't do that project, but they'll throw it in for free. If we do the backyard with him, I'm like, what, what, what did you tell him about the Oh, I told him the whole story of everything we want in the backyard. And uh, I even told him that we don't need to finance it. We'll just pay cash. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Right? So he, of course, he decided to stay, right? In two hours, <laughs> like, that's no problem. I'm waiting to sell this guy. And he walks in the backyard and he's repeating all the stuff I told him. And he's like, we can totally do it. And then he tells me three quick stories. The Jones house down the street, right? I don't know if you've seen them, right? If you've been to their backyard and he starts to, and he anchors me on a price, right? Well, we paid for that. And he's watching my eyes the whole time, right? And then he tells me another house and he tells me another. And the whole time he's telling me about these other properties, his prices are astronomical, right? But mm. he's, he's pulling out iPad with pictures and showing stuff. And of course my wife's like that, I want, like, I want that. And what has he done? Right. Hmm. He's painted inspirational stories of what this could be hillside. And I'm painting a future vision of what you could have and how you could enjoy it. And the kids, this will be the house that all the neighborhood comes to so that your kids aren't running around in other places. And I'm like, yeah, but I also heard three price points. I heard three price points, all of which were above what I wanted to spend. Right. And then, of course, he asked, hey, uh, so how much do you how much do you spend, you know, look and spend? And I, I, you know, I, I wrote a book on pricing, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to negotiate with myself. So I said, no, nah, Hey buddy, I'm not, I'm not negotiating with myself. You, you know what I want. You tell me what it's going to cost. And he says, well, here's the thing, right? Most of the customers, I've been doing this 25 years and most of our customers, they have an idea of what they want, but their budget is typically about half of what, what it really will be. And I said something like, well, I'm not paying $150,000. And immediately, like, and I just blurted it out, right? Because I was just, I did the times two in my head. Mm. And he's like, so your, your budget's about 75 grand. I'm like, dang it, right? How did he do that? He's like, <laughs> this is a master, right? Um, and in the end, he's like, well, I think we can do, I can, we can do most of this for that budget, right? Um, and of course, he came back. And for all of you people who write proposals, right? He did exactly what you've been taught to do. 
the base of everything I wanted was right under budget. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cave and the waterfall, that's, that's extra. And the solar heating of the pool, which will save me money in the long run, that's extra. And you don't have to decide that part today, right? We'll have several weeks to figure it out. And the, you know, if you want to do anything on the hillside, bushes and trees to get some shade, right? That, that would be extra. But those are, you know, that's separate, right? Of course, we ended up buying all of it, right? And spending a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money, right? And I just said, look, I'm going to tell this story forever um, to at least make me yeah. feel better and make some money off it. But Yeah, exactly, exactly. But what an inspiration story does when you do it right is it turns you into the facilitator of their dreams, right? Yeah. You understand where they're trying to go. You understand the destination. You paint the picture, and you can anchor them by painting one, two, three other pictures that are very similar to them at price points. And you might say, oh, you want a website? We did this one website for ABC or Disney, and it was 500000 And they're like, oh, man, I don't have, right? <laughs> but but you're like, oh, okay. But I'm just, you know, I'm, and, and you can even say, I'm not saying it has to be that much, but I'm just telling you this one feature sounded very similar to what you were talking about. Or mm-hmm. we had this other site for 100000 right? And this other site for 50000 they may have thought I was thinking 5,000, right? Mm, but mm. you never, you never know until you get to the point of talking about, you know, proposals and good, better, best, what mm. they're willing to go to, because now they've heard these stories. They've started thinking about their future, what they envision. You're the facilitator and they come back and they go, Hey, I don't have that kind of money, but what, what can we do for $20,000? And you just mm. took them from five to 20. Yeah. Yeah. Just by telling the right stories. Exactly. And in a perfect world, if you're telling this, these stories as part of your content marketing, you'll be attracting the right kind of leads and clients in the first place. And you won't be having the conversation about whether it's going to be five grand or 10 grand because your clients already know that, you know, you're operating at a different end of the spectrum. It's, it's totally true. And, and I, I think the, maybe the main point of all these stories, right, is that if you sit in a room face to face with someone, and you're doing that first hour of consulting or, or you know, you're, you're prepping before you put a proposal and you tell several of these stories, you've become the one who's been there, done that, the expert, mm-hmm. the authority. You're the one that can facilitate their dreams. By the end of that time, if you've done this right, they're going to be asking you, they're going to be pitching you why you should be on their project. They're going to pitch their backyard expertise and begging you for the job, not the other way around. Most yeah. freelancers are sitting here begging for the tasks. And what they're really doing is they're saying, hey, hire me to do tasks. If if you're being hired to do tasks, you're either not telling the right stories or they're not believing your stories. But if you do tell the right stories, what ends up happening is you shift who's pitching who. They start telling you why their project's so interesting and exciting, right? You go to a nonprofit, you tell several stories, you walk through, and they're like, "Oh my God, we need you here." And let me explain to you why this is such an important. Like we're we're putting you know wells across the globe. Like this is important stuff. Like we want you, not you're like, oh please hire me because I really need a job this month, right? <laughs> if you tell the right stories, the pitching shifts. They pitch you because they want a proxy, they want a guide, they want a partner, they want a facilitator, they want to work with you. And that's when you know you've got the right segment of people ready to, to hear your proposal. 
Yeah, awesome. Um, and for those who are just starting out, you and I spoke about this in Santa Monica. You did admit to having uh, read every book on the planet about public speaking and storytelling. Um, for those that are just starting out that haven't got, that aren't confident in telling stories, you know, practice is important, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. I don't think I don't think um, I don't think I'm the only person that walks around uh, the house talking to the walls as if there are you know hundreds of people listening. Uh, am I? I'm not the only one that does that, am I? Um, so if you're going to start practicing, first of all, practice is important. But what, like, what are some of the, what's like the first book people should pick up, or the first framework people should practice, or the, or the first exercise that people can start practicing if they're new to storytelling? So the first exercise is really easy. You can take your phone, any phone you have that allows you to record yourself, because storytelling is oral. It is not what you're writing down, though you can definitely write the story down, but it is an oral tradition. It started way before people could write. They could tell the stories and pass them down. It's an yeah. oral tradition. So hit record, tell the story, right? If I was going to tell you the story about the guy who did the backyard and the pool, whatever, if that story lasted 12 minutes, you'd have checked out by minute seven, yeah. right? Like mm. it just it just took too long. So mm. a lot of times our stories take too long. So you hit record, tell the story, hit stop. And look and see how much time it took, right? If it's not short enough, if it's not two minutes or four minutes, you know, if it's not a short enough story, hit record again, try it again, right? And you will be basically practicing, but you'll also be shaping it. It's not about, can I tell it in a certain length? It's, hey, have I done it enough and I've gotten the salient parts of it, right? That, okay, that's enough to get them to go, oh, I'm totally with you there. If I turn it into a 30-second story, hey, this one time I wanted a pool in the backyard and this guy waited in my house the whole time just so he gave me a quote, that's not an interesting story. <laughs> it's not an interesting story. There's, there's nothing there. Right? <laughs> Even if you told it, it wouldn't be an interesting it, it story. Would, right? It would be horrible, no. right? The best storyteller yeah, yeah. couldn't make <clears throat> that work. So part of it is just the practicing of the oral and the timing so that you go, okay, yeah, I can tell this story in a couple minutes and be good, yeah. right? And yeah. That's a, you don't need a book for that. You don't need a, a seminar or a course for that. You don't need a frame for that. Just practice timing. If you're mm -hmm. going to speak on a stage, right? Can you get the first story out in the first two to three minutes? Because that's all you mm -hmm. got, right? If mm -hmm. you're in a meeting and you're like, I want to tell two or three stories, maybe four stories. Okay, four times three is 12 minutes. Can I do four stories in 12 minutes? If four stories take an hour and a half, these are not going to be appropriate stories to tell, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. sitting there going, What's your point, right? It's got to be tight enough that you can get from the curiosity to the downbeat, right? When you give them the release, right? Where you're like, yeah, I, mm. we bought the whole damn thing, right? And yeah. they go, ah, oh, I, I figured that's where it was going, right? Yeah. Um, so so practicing and, and timing are critical when you're telling stories. And there's, um, there's you know, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with storytelling and uh, been trying to distill kind of, you know, if you have to tell a story off the top of your head, and there's for me, if there's three things I can remember, it's like okay, I, I've I've got to introduce them to the hero, uh, which is which is preferably never me, preferably I'm never the hero, right? Like even in your story, I reckon your you, your wife was kind of the hero of the story, right? Um, second of all, there's got to be some conflict, and thirdly, there's got to be some resolution. So so that's like if if I have to do something off the top of my head, I'm just like right, who's the hero? What's the conflict, and how's it resolved? Uh, of course, you can extrapolate that, and there's much more detail you can put into it. But you could you could apply that simple three bullet points to any of those stories: the 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 prediction story, the warning story, the empathy story, and the inspiration stories. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. And the, and the, the, you know, the, the secondary component, once you get those three parts, right, right. Who's the hero and it better be someone other than me. Right. Um, what's the, what's the challenge, right. And how did it resolve the real trick, right. To getting those three, right. the, The fourth thing I'd add to it, which is not elementary. It takes a little bit of work, right. Is where is the surprise? So if you watch enough stand-up comedians, right, mm-hmm. they build the premise, they take you on the journey of the joke, but r- the punchline is a surprise. It's twisted. You think, where are they going with this? Or you think, oh, they're going to th- – and they take you somewhere else, and that's what gives you that delight, right? And so it's – you know, if, if I'm telling the story and I'm like – so I asked, the, you know, hey, Melissa, the guy – you know, what did the guy say the price is? And she's like uh, – no, you know, he's, he's still here. Like, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Right. That's right. That's the surprise. And, that's and why I laughed. That's yeah. That's a surprise. Right. You're like, yeah. he's still sitting there. Now, of course, the moment we think about it, we go, of course, cause, cause if, if he heard the whole backyard and how much it's going to spend, he's going to stay. So then we resonate with it and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the surprise that lets you re-engage their brain for another two minutes. Right. If yeah. that doesn't <laughs> sit there, you can't. So the element of surprise in the story is is what makes it interesting if everything that you're going to say is super predictable like i build websites i'm really good at it my clients yep. pay me money you're like yeah yeah that's what everybody says right? tonight on the boring show yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i heard a stand-up comedian once talk about the art of crafting a joke and he was basically saying that that the reason people laugh is because they are, they are literally releasing tension yep. like everything Everything before the surprise is like they're literally holding their breath. They're like, "What's going to happen?" So, did you get the did you did you get the quote from the guy about the front yard? And I'm waiting for the answer. And you 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 are a master at this. And I watched you do this in Santa Monica. You are a master of the dramatic pause. <laughs> you just let them hold their breath a little bit longer than is comfortable, and then you you allow them to release that tension, the little bit of surprise. What? Well, well, actually, he's still here in the lounge room. It's like that's why I laugh because I'm like I'm releasing the tension, you know. That's right. that's and there's exactly all these little right. moments of kind of tension being built up and released, and uh, and yeah. So so if you can weave, uh, in fact, you don't even need to be very funny. If you can just weave surprise into your story, you will get those releases of tension. Absolutely. Hey, this is I could do this for days. Uh, this has been awesome. This has been a bit of a mini masterclass on storytelling. Um, I want to thank you for your generosity again, and thank you for your time. Where can people learn more about what you're doing uh, at uh, storytelling wise, and also where can people learn about the offerings of Liquid Web? Uh, so you can find uh, Manage WooCommerce and Manage WordPress over at liquidweb.com. Uh, it's part of the product line. Uh, I have several. Uh, I have several blog posts about storytelling over at chrislama.com but the probably the best place to go is courses as in taking an online course courses.chrislama.com there are several inexpensive online courses on storytelling on uh prep for story like there's just i think there's two or three courses there um that people can go and go oh quick let me get this and, and let me just digest it all um so that's definitely another way to do it uh and then, of course, right, I'm on Clarity.fm, uh, my favorite network for where you get to call people and ask for advice and you pay by the minute. Um, I think I'm the third most called person on the network. And, uh, and I, you know, if you have a specific situation that is different than, okay, you know, I can read the blog post, so I can watch a course, but if you need something specific, you can always find me at Clarity.fm. 
Yeah, awesome. And we've used uh, we've we've called you on Clarity FM a few times in the past, and we will do so again in the future. Uh, that's awesome. Courses.chrislemmer.com to check out Chris's courses, and also search for him on Clarity FM and check out LiquidWeb.com for the managed WordPress and managed WooCommerce hosting. Hey, Chris, thanks for being a part of it again. I really appreciate it. Always fun hanging out. Awesome. Take care, buddy. Thanks, gang. That's the WP Elevation podcast. Another episode wrapped. Uh, subscribe over at iTunes, wpelevation.com slash iTunes, and leave us a rating and a review. It helps us come up in the search results. And also check us out on YouTube and Facebook. I look forward to seeing you again and talking with you shortly on the podcast. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Go Elevate.